Hey, my name is Jay Warner Wallace, and I'm the author of Cold Case Christianity. I, I gotta tell you, if you're listening to this radio, you know that you're in a good place, and I cannot endorse more highly the intellect and the passion of your host. So just enjoy this radio program. Is he a real one? Radio is the real thing. And Veda, thank you so much for doing the most important work of the kingdom. Hello out there, this is Bobby Conway. You're listening to Is He a Real One Radio? And I'm now passing the baton off to my man, Veda. 33 reads as this. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, this is Jesus talking. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Sam, uh, go ahead and tell us what you think this is saying. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So I didn't know this passage was going to come up. And since you chose it, then I'll just go ahead and exegete it. Well, I mean, the plain reading of it, obviously, if Jesus is saying, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who's in heaven. Like he's talking about plain language and just anyone reading it, because he was mentioning that when he read John 1, 1, and when he read the context, he couldn't see multiple persons in the Godhead. Anyone reading this passage just on the on the surface, even if you go back to the Greek, <clears throat> if you want whatever language you want to go to, Jesus is not the Father. So he's going to have to posit that the reason why there's a distinction, because this is a human being. And that human being, though possessing the Godhead within him, somehow was still distinct from the Father. And I'd like to hear him articulate what that distinction is, because he did say that he believes the fullness of deity <clears throat> dwells in Christ bodily, Godhead, and he means the person. That person is the Father. So now, if that's true, the Father is in Jesus. That means Jesus is the human being <clears throat> that's the Father in human form human manifestation i don't want to use the wrong terms because i don't want him to get upset if i say mode but i don't mean he's a modalist but still but the plain language here is jesus is not the father he's distinct from the father and <clears throat> the reason why he's distinct from the father is as trinitarianism teaches jesus is the son who became flesh and as a son he's distinct from the father remains distinct from the father while on earth and in heaven remains distinct from him because notice he goes at that day because he says i will deny him before my father in heaven when does that take place from the context of matthew's theology that takes place when the son of man comes to judge so he's distinct from the father on earth he'll be distinct from the father on the day of judgment that means the plain reading of matthew is that jesus is a distinct person from the father the father's son not simply the father in human form, as a human being, in human manifestation. But I want to hear how he's going to exegete it so that I can then <clears throat> piggyback from his exegesis. How does he explain the distinction? Is this a human being who's distinct from the Father? But I thought the human being is the Father because you just got, got done arguing that Jesus, as a man, possesses the fullness of the Godhead, and that Godhead is a person, and that would be the Father in that body. So there can't be a distinction if that's the father as a man on earth. But I want to hear you articulate your position so I don't attack straw man so that I can address it. So go ahead. Mr. Perkins, go ahead. Yeah, so Matthew 10, uh, 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, who's the speaker? God in the flesh. I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. It, the, the Greek preposition before is in prosthen plus the genitive case. It's what's, it's what's called an improper 
preposition. I won't get into too much of that. But but here here's the thing. This is referring to Jesus in his mediatorial role. It's the same language that is used elsewhere. Um, not going to go all over the New Testament, but for example, 1 Timothy 2.5, he's the man Christ Jesus and as the mediator. Uh, the NET says, who Mr. Shamoon quotes all the time, by the way, the NET says this acknowledgement will take place at the judgment. On Jesus and judgment, see Acts 17.31. Well, wow. since it's the same topic, what does Acts 17.31 say? He has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man. I know Trinitarians don't like to hear that, but by a man whom he designated. Now, if you're asking my my position on the Godhead, or rather the Father and the Son, again, we say that there is a distinction between Father and Son. Uh, we believe there's an ontological distinction between the Father and the Son. The Father is God transcendent. He is fills, fills uh, heavens, the earth, etc., etc. He's an omnipresent spirit, invisible spirit. The Son is that self-same God descendant and then the holy spirit is god and emanation so so we believe you can quote all the verses you want to quote about the father son holy spirit and the distinctions we believe that what we don't believe and never will is you have god the father god the son god the holy spirit three separate minds by the way as i heard you say earlier when i was listening to a to a response that you said so with this right here if, if we stick to the text itself this is bodily separation you have a body, according to Trinitarianism, you would have a God the Son with his own body standing before, which, by the way, the Greek before before can mean simply in the presence of. So you would have bo okay bodily separation in the Godhead. If you have bodily separation in the Godhead, that's not now, there never will be monotheism. All right, Mr. Shamoon, go ahead. I want you to see how this position distorts scripture, butchers scriptures, and manhandles scripture. I want you to notice what he said. Pay attention. He said, yeah, Jesus is God in the flesh. Which God in the flesh? The Father. But wait, if he's the Father in the flesh, then how is he going to confess or deny people before the Father? Because that's simply him, but he's in the flesh. So it's one person in the flesh denying people before himself do you understand the incoherent babble this position is and he's talking about trinitarianism and then he said jesus is the self-same god descended what self-same god the father so guys understand the position that's being defended on the basis of scripture which is a distortion of scripture jesus plain language jesus says i will acknowledge confess or deny before my father plain language that is not the father but the son of the father but he just said and i just wrote it down that's god in the flesh which god in the flesh mr perkins oh that's the father in the flesh well that's still the father on earth how can the father in the flesh deny or confess people before the father when he is the father in the flesh is jesus schizophrenic is jesus <clears throat> paranoid because again your position i wrote it god in the flesh self-same god descended what self-same God? So this is the Father in the flesh. So Jesus, aren't you the Father in the flesh? Yes. How are you going to confess and deny anyone before the Father in the Father's presence when you are that Father in the flesh? So are you basically saying you're going to deny people or confess people before your own person, even though you're that person in the flesh? You see, this is the danger with this possession. 
it makes mincemeat out of scripture, it manhandles scripture, it perverts scripture, it turns Jesus into a liar or the worst communicator that's ever walked this earth because the plain language is he's not the father, he's the son in the flesh, distinct from the father, which is why he can be in the presence of the father, confess people before the father or deny people before the father, but don't forget what he said. And I'm gonna hold you to what you said. He is God in the flesh, the self-same God in the flesh, so to you, that is the Father on earth, speaking of the Father in heaven. So the Father on earth in flesh is going to deny people before the Father in heaven. But wait, he's going to be in heaven too with the Father. So it is him denying others before himself or confessing others before himself. And you claim to follow the Bible. Okay, even the Greek won't save you here. But go ahead. All right, Mr. Perkins, go ahead and respond. Yeah, so A, you know, the, the expression that he uses of uh, we are distorting scripture, he, he says that probably every day just about, and says that we make Jesus a liar. And yet, somehow Trinitarians can read Isaiah 44, 24 and masculine, singular, and single person pronouns all through the scriptures and somehow cram three separate minds in that, and we're making Jesus the liar? You, that's the problem of Trinitarianism. If we follow what you believe and what you teach, then you're making Yahweh of the Old Testament a liar. And he is not a liar. He is true. Now, I want, I want the people listening to catch what Mr. Shamoon said. He said, which God? Oh, really? Isn't that a nice tacit admission that you have more than one God? See, we don't have that problem. We don't have to throw out tritheism disclaimers all the time. We can just say Jesus Christ is that one God in the flesh. No problem. We don't have to write article after article disclaiming uh, the, the tritheism. I, I read your article the other day on uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 where you say it's literally translated as Hero Israel, the Lord our gods, plural, gods, uh, is, is um, in unity. Now, he misrepresents us. He says that we have a schizophrenic Jesus. Uh, and yet, this is the same person that says in Genesis 1.26, this is God talking to himself. But we have a schizophrenic Jesus. The same person that says that that uh, God, or rather like Yahweh, does something on behalf of another Yahweh you use in Genesis chapter 19, and yet we're distorting scripture. Uh, no, not hardly. The schizophrenia would come from those who have more than one God, and God talks to himself, and God prays to himself. And I know you're going to say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, different persons. Uh, that's not in the Bible now. It never will be. So the, the idea of us having a schizophrenic Jesus, right back at you. You have a schizophrenic God. You have God standing before God with bodily separation, and then you want to convince us that you're seriously still a monotheist. <laughs> it's like holding up an orange and saying, look at this apple. It's never tri uh, monotheism. It never will be. All right. Sam, go ahead and respond. Yeah, this is the pot calling the kettle black. He just said that I have the schizophrenic deity, even though... I believe that there are three persons, not the same person, and can have fellowship and communion with one another. But it's actually his position that has God praying to himself. Because don't forget, and he distorted my argument again. I was quoting what he said. The self-same God descended, God in the flesh. So I'm asking him, which God? I'm talking about your view, because for you, God is only one person, the Father. But you have to resort to these debate tricks, because you can't refute what I'm saying, but that's okay. Repent of what you believe and accept Trinitarianism. But let's go with what you just said. Isn't Jesus the Father in the flesh? Yes, you said that, God in the flesh. So who's God for you here? 
the Father. God for you. Don't impose your definition of God upon me. Who's the self-same God that descended according to you? That's the Father. So you have the Father in the flesh, Jesus, praying to the Father in heaven, and you still want to convince us your deity is not a schizophrenic deity because that's still the Father praying to himself. That's still the Father being in his own presence. That's still the Father confessing or denying people in his own presence. You're stuck with the schizophrenic deity, not me, because although God is one, he's more than one person. And you went to Isaiah 44, 24. We already addressed Isaiah 44, 24, and you had nothing worthwhile to say about Isaiah 54, 5. You even admit those are masculine plural participles, and that's what I, what I expect as a Trinitarian. As a Trinitarian, I expect to find plural participles, masculine plural participles. Let me emphasize masculine with masculine singular verbs, pronouns, and participles. If God is one in one way, more than one in another way. And just to silence this argument, because I didn't have the time to rebut you. The Hebrew Bible, because you asked, the singular verbs, why three persons, you know, why not a thousand? Because the Bible, as you acknowledge, though you try to explain it as oneness, only identifies three that can be properly called God. You try to explain it not as persons, but whatever you want. You don't want to use the term mode, so I'll respect you. I won't use the term mode. But my friend, singular verbs and pronouns are used throughout the Old Testament for thousands of people viewed as a collective whole. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to give you one. Psalm 130, verses 7 to 8. Let Israel, that's a masculine singular proper noun, hope, masculine singular imperative verb, right? But it's referring to the nation made of millions. Let Israel hope, masculine singular imperative verb in the Lord. Now, when we go on, and he shall redeem Israel, masculine singular pro uh, proper noun, from all... His iniquities, third person, masculine, singular verb. Why is the psalmist speaking of the nation of Israel as one man using singular verbs? Because that's the beauty of the language. You can talk of a collective unit as one and apply singular verbs, pronouns, and participles to them. But if your view is right, you can't apply plural, plural verbs, participles, pronouns to God if he's a singular person. So the gig is up. Your appeal to Hebrew and Greek is not helping you. And if I have no formal training in these languages, what does it say about your formal training? You need to give it up because it's not helping you get someone who doesn't have formal training. So thank you for glorifying God in me. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Mr. Perkins, you get a chance to respond. Yeah, he has again said, which God? Uh, he does this all the time. And, and he also appeals to uh, nations with the masculine plural as the, I guess in his mind, the representation of the Trinity. But those nations were separate human beings. So again, it proves too much. Just like your appeal to Adam and Eve in Genesis 5 that you do. Um, and you're telling, <laughs> you have bodily separation in the Godhead, and yet you want me to repent. No, you're the one who needs to repent of your false doctrine. Secondly, Whenever you you mention God and it's, you seem to equate God with Father, I think your argument is that the New Testament, when you say the noun Theos, that's referring to the Father, and I would agree with that. I just hope you stick to it in First Timothy three sixteen. I appealed with Isaiah fifty four and five. I, I showed the inconsistencies of Trinitarianism whenever they appeal to the Septuagint when they think it supports them. And then all of a sudden they drop it like a hot potato whenever it whenever it refutes them. So this is called theological agenda. Uh, the and, and by the way, we do not just limit 
a God to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe in the Son of Man. We believe in the seven spirits of God, Revelation. So I'm not saying we're referring to them as multiplicity of gods. I'm not Trinitarian. I don't argue that way. However, what we, what we, you're assuming rather that we are just limiting to three uh, titles and, and references. Uh, seems like it was another one. Nothing. Oh yeah, you said that. You said that I uh, offered nothing worthwhile with Isaiah forty-four twenty-four. If masculine singular uh, uh, participles, if single person pronoun, there is not a plurality anywhere in Isaiah forty-four twenty-four. If that does not prove something and help somebody, I, I, I don't want to tell you. Uh, you're just cloaked by religious tradition, and your religious tradition will not allow you to accept the Bible on its own terms. You will not allow God to define himself, whereas we do. We're saying Jesus Christ is God Almighty in the flesh. We're not teaching bodily separation like, like you do. So I will just yield my time back over. All right, uh, Sam, you get the last word on this scripture. Yeah. Uh, all right. Glory to Jesus Christ. Uh, notice the straw man, the red herrings, the bait and switch tactics. He said that I seem to equate God with the father. I'm addressing your belief and your statement. You believe God is the father. And you said, let me repeat, God in the flesh, meaning Jesus is God in the flesh. For you, that means the father in the flesh, because God and father are equated in your theology. And you said the self-same God descended. So who is this self-same God? In your theology, God and the Father are synonymous terms. So if you say God in the flesh, you meant the Father in the flesh. So please try to at least address what I'm saying. And don't attack straw man and bring up red herrings or bait and switch tactics. Like this bait and switch tactic, <clears throat> this red herring. I was quoting Psalm 130 to show that singular verbs, <clears throat> pronouns, participles are used all throughout the Old Testament for multiplicity of persons, beings, whatever you want to call it, as a collective whole, in order to show that just because singular verbs, pronouns, participles are used of the true God, that doesn't make him a singular person. So what did he do? He couldn't refute that. He goes, oh, well, if you're consistent, that means you believe in multiple beings in God. No, because God is not identical to human beings. Human beings are not identical to God. His existence transcends that of finite creatures, all I'm doing when I show these examples is to show that your appeal to the Hebrew backfires against you, which you, which is why you had to run to the Greek Septuagint, even though you started with the Hebrew Old Testament. So let me repeat the point, which you badly distorted. When you have the Old Testament using singular verbs, pronouns, participles of multitudes of peoples, of nations, and they're not a single person or a single being, the gig is up. That means you have no case to make just because Isaiah or Jeremiah or Moses uses singular verbs, pronouns, participles for God, because all that proves is that God is one in one way, but it doesn't tell us that he's one person, just like the nation Israel being described with singular verbs. You want, you want me to read it again? You want me to read Judges 1, 1 to 4 and other passages? Means that Israel is a single person. Israel is a nation that consists of millions of people. And yet these millions of people are grouped together with singular verbs. So the gig is up. You believe Jesus is the father of flesh speaking to himself, even though you want to deny it. You can't. It's over. The Trinity is true and it's biblical. Good. All right. Thank you all so much, man. I'm having such a great time, uh, man. I know each scripture that we've went over so far. I know that y'all could go for like 
eight hours each, <laughs> you know, so so uh, I pray that other people listening are having um, a, a blessed time such such as I am. We have two more scriptures. And then if you guys still have enough time, you know, you guys can just kind of freelance uh, and ask each other a couple of questions if time permits. But we have two more scriptures. And this next scripture, Mr. Perkins will have the first go at and we're going to go back to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter nine. All right. So we're going to go to Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, where the Bible says for to us, a child is born to us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Mr. Perkins, will you tell us what this is saying? Yes. Um, and yeah, I hope we do have a few minutes. Uh, I won't have a whole lot of time, but maybe towards the end of this, we can have a few minutes because I definitely want to correct some of his straw mans and outright false information. Okay. What he just said. Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 6. Um, so, the, okay, the name, we're very familiar with this. I heard your presentation on it last week, Mr. Shamoon, but as he quoted, for to us a child is born, to us son is given, the government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In, in the Hebrew classes I was taking, I was reading a, a book the other day entitled Reading Biblical Hebrew for Comprehension. Um, and this is what they say. It's under Lesson 10. Proper noun. A proper noun is names of people, places, etc., such as Jerusalem, Moses, and God. Remember, proper nouns, names are always definite, even though they may lack the article. What this means is that whenever you read Isaiah 9, 6, you have not just mighty God in the sense of qualitative, um, but you have the mighty God. You have the eternal father. So there is, there is, there, I know you're going to try to move around it, but there is no response to that, but I'm sure you're going to try to give one. So let's look at the vocabulary. Noun, or rather, uh, what is it? Yellow. Yellow is child. Uh, Lod is to bear. And let's see. Okay. We could go all the way down with this, but you have the adjective. Let me look here on my other source real quickly. Um, yeah, so it's nothing different than I've just told you. So simply put, this is an identification of, of, of Jesus Christ. I think we agree on that. But who does it say he is? It says he's the mighty God, he's the eternal father, and if he's not really the eternal father, like the text plainly says that he is, then A, how many fathers do you have in the Godhead? B, then then is he also not uh, Sar Shalom, the, the Prince of Peace, or is he also not Wonderful Counselor, or is it only the one about the Eternal Father that we have to dance on to get rid of it? Um, I'm going to close with this. Pulpit. Uh, pulpit. Let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, the response usually, the off-repeated assertion is that Everlasting Father equals Father of Eternity. Father doesn't denote Jesus as God the Father. just simply means that Jesus is the possessor of eternity. I hope you make that argument because you made it last week, and I'll address it when you do. But we know this is referring to Jesus Christ. And here it literally it, it, it defines him as the mighty God, because it's definitive in the construct, and the eternal Father. Again, I'm going to say that no one is going to read that and say, oh, well, you know, Jesus is someone other than the Father or someone other than the mighty God. And bear in mind. Wait, Mr. Perkins. Okay. 
Bear in mind, these are Jews that are writing, and I know you think that proves that they're, they're Trinitarians, but I'll address that later. Back to you. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, okay. By the grace of Jesus Christ, I'm glad he heard my presentation because he won't be able to refute it. He just said that this is the one title, or what he said, proper name, that we Trinitarians deny, but we would affirm all the other titles. This, again, is a straw man, which means he cannot actually address what we actually believe. No one denies that all of these titles are applicable to Jesus. It's what do they mean? And these are dis descriptive nouns, not so much proper names as he'd like you to believe, but I'll even get, grant him that. These are proper names. The real question is, because he claims to know Hebrew, what does Abiad mean? Now, here in my presentation, and is appealing to Jewish sources and lexicons, we're going to have a field day. So, you, Excuse me. So you know this is not just my position? The complete Jewish Bible, and he will be given the name Pele Yoetz El Gibor Aviad Sar Shalom, and then in brackets, Wonder of a Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity. Oh, surprise of surprise. A Jew who knows Hebrew translates it as Father Eternity. Now, Darby, which is a little outdated, says, and his name is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of Eternity. So the real question is, he is Aviad. What does that mean? And he asked me, how many fathers are there in the Godhead? That depends on how you define the term father. If you restrict the meaning of father to mean the person that you call father who happens to be God, we're going to have a field day because you'll find passages in which God is mentioned as father along with someone else, and yet you would not reason that that makes him God the father. For example, in John 8, 39 and 41, John 8, 39 and 41, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father. They said to him, we were not born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. Using Mr. Perkins' eisegesis and butchering of the scriptures. They just said, Abraham's our father, but we have one father, God. He just made Abraham, God the father, in the flesh. So the self-same God became Abraham. Wow. I'm ready now to believe you have now multiple manifestations of the Father. The Son of Man, the seven spirits, and Abraham, and the rest. Obviously, no Trinitarian denies that Jesus is Abiyad. And since he's appealing to Jews who say they're not Trinitarians, I'm going to challenge him. I want you to quote a rabbinic source that says that this child is Yahweh the Father. Because you're appealing to the Jews. Everyone heard you. Jews are not Trinitarians. Okay, quote a rabbi or a Jew that says Isaiah 9, 6 means the child is the father in heaven becoming flesh. You mentioned the Jews, not me. So let's have a field day and quote your authority. The term abiyat, as I've demonstrated, and you won't be able to refute, simply means father of eternity. And you know what the word abi or ab can mean in the Hebrew such as Abigail. Tell us what Abigail means. Can you do us a favor? Please define Abigail. What does that word mean? Because Abiyat simply means that this one possesses life and he confers life in union with the Father and the Spirit, exactly what the New Testament teaches. But go ahead. Go ahead, Mr. Parkins. Okay, A, he accuses me of Jesus, and yet he worships a three-minded God, has no problem saying it all over the place. All you do is pull up his name online. He, he No problem saying that. The problem is that uh, whenever he, see, he appeals to the Jews, like, for example, in his articles regarding the uh, two powers of 
of, uh, of heaven, Alan Segal's work, and then also the Second Temple uh, Judaism. He appeals to them when he thinks it supports him. But when it doesn't support him, again, like they always do, he drops it like hot potato. So I don't understand the argument really that you're making about God and Abraham. I don't, we never said, I really didn't catch that. We didn't say, we've never said that God become Abraham. It seemed like maybe you were, I don't know, I didn't really get the point there. But you have said over and over that to a first century Jew, when you said God, when they heard God, they equated that with the Father. Exactly. You're one step closer to the truth. First Timothy 3.16 says God was manifest in the flesh. According to you, that's going to be the Father. But with this text here, there's no need to dance on this text. It's very plain. And oh, by the way, this great revelation that Trinitarians think they have about Father of Eternity, or yeah, Father of Eternity, you can't father eternity. Eternity is without beginning and without end. So that no wonder no one uh, hardly uh, quotes it like that. Some do, but it's not the. It does not mean that the second person in the Godhead is the uh, a possessor or father of eternity. This is referring to the mighty God, the eternal Father. Uh, that's very plain. We don't have to dance on it to make it say Trinitarianism. Malachi 2.10 says that to us there is one, uh, or rather we, we all have one Father, one Creator. It's not one Creator. Uh, you know the scripture. So you have one Father who is, by the way, one Creator, which really gives you problems with your eisegesis of Ecclesiastes 12, by the way. So we can accept this text just as it's written. We don't have to explain it away to hold on to a free-minded God. We can allow the text to speak for itself, and it just simply identifies Jesus Christ as the mighty God, as the eternal Father. I won't get into, if you're taking notes, y'all look at uh, Habakkuk 3.6, 1 Chronicles 29.2, where that they translate as everlasting mountains or mountains of eternity, marble stones, stones of marble. This is just how you say the same phrase of eternal Father in Hebrew. So there's really no, there's not really much for me to refute there. The text just speaks for itself. All right, Sam, you get an opportunity to respond. Yeah, and I mean this. I really like Mr. Perkins because I like his personality. So there's nothing personal. I hope we can talk more in the future. I enjoy you immensely because you're passionate. But I do have to say, please stop attacking the straw man. Can you please do that? Do me a favor. I'm trying to accurately represent you. Try to do that with me because you just attacked Starman. You said... Uh, fathering eternity makes no sense. That's not what I said the term means. <clears throat> Father of eternity, if you look at it, and you know you can't deny it, that's why I asked you to define Abigail for us. What does Abigail mean? Father of eternity simply means possessor of. Yes, you can possess everlastingness because if you see how odd is used in Isaiah, it refers to God living forever. So if you take Father eternity, it means the possessor of everlasting life, the source of life, and that's exactly what the New Testament says, Jesus the Son, the Word is. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. I am the way and the truth and the life, John 14, 16. John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life, John 5, 21. Just as the Father gives life and raises the dead, so too the Son gives life to whom he wants. That's all it means. It doesn't make him the person that you call the Father. And you kept saying, I believe in a three-minded Godhead. Well, my friend, either you're going to have to believe that or you got a schizophrenic God at your hand. Because in Romans 8, 26, 27, Romans 8, 26, 27, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. God who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Please don't tell me the Spirit is simply the Father in a different manifestation because, again, either God is a terrible communicator or a deceiver because it says God knows the mind of the Spirit. But if the Spirit is simply the Father in a different form, that means what Paul is saying is that God knows his own mind and then God knows his own will. You're making gobbledygook of the Scriptures because the plain reading, God is different from the Spirit. The Spirit has a mind distinct from God. God knows what the mind of the Spirit is as the Spirit knows what the will of God is. Welcome to the wonderful world of the Trinity. This does not comport with your view unless you have a schizophrenic God or a God who's play acting, pretending that he is not the Spirit, which is why the Spirit has a mind that he can know, when in reality the Spirit is him in a different mode. I won't use that term manifestation. So it's basically God saying, I know my own mind and I know my own will. Why don't you just come out and say that, God? Why do you give the impression that the Spirit is not you, you're not the Spirit, and he has a mind distinct from you? Oh, because the God you preach is not the God of the Bible. It's a God I believe in, the triune God. But go ahead. All right, Mr. Perkins, you get the last word here. Okay, A, um, he charges us with, or charges me rather, with making gobbly group uh, out of the scriptures. And yet, this is the same person who can look at a single person pronoun and somehow force feed three divine minds into that, and we're making gobbledygook. If that's not gobbledygook, I would love to see the definition of gobbledygook. Secondly, the scriptures say over and over and over that God has one mind. Uh, and this is always going to be the flaw of Trinitarianism right here, is that you have more than one God, or rather, well, you have that too, but you have more than one mind in God. Numbers 23, 19, one mind. Jeremiah 19, 5. Jeremiah 32, 5, or 32, 35. One mind in conjunction with single-person pronouns. So the godly group is coming from the Trinitarianism, not from the people that can allow the text to speak for itself. First Samuel 15, 29, the CSB says, Furthermore, the Eternal One of Israel does not lie or change his single-person pronoun mind. Oh, but God, wait a second. You're really three minds. Didn't you know that? And you're really three eternal ones. Didn't you know that, God? No. Because Mr. Shamoon and all of the Trinitarians has a false God, it's false doctrine, you will find it nowhere in the Word of God, and I'm very thankful to God that he led me out of that. Now, your thing about stop attacking straw men, right back at you. You say that I'm saying that the Father become flesh, and that in my mind, God equals Father. Wrong. In my mind, God equals whoever he has to be, Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus, uh, the Father, you're assuming that we only see a Father as God. Uh, and, and, and yet, there is some truth to that because we believe there's one God, but we don't run around saying that, as I've heard you say, Jesus sent Jesus. Jesus prayed to himself. We don't run around making those assertions. And, and your, your comment about have to believe in three minds in God to be, what, I don't remember what you said, uh, therefore, I think, or schizophrenic. Um, and you said also that God is a terrible communicator if he's one person. Really? Hmm, I thought I read where he did things all alone, all by himself. Terrible communication, God. You, didn't you know there's really three of you there? I mean, I know that Moses spoke to you face to face, but God, there's really three of you uh, uh, behind the scenes that, that is functioning and operating. So the deal about him being a terrible communicator 
Good grief. That, that's like Hitler calling somebody else a murderer for, <laughs> for the Trinitarian to call someone else uh, uh, making eisegesis and making gobbledygook out of the scriptures. Trinitarianism is the definition of that. And so uh, there's a lot more I could say here, but I'll just hand that over to you. I didn't take any more notes right there, so I'll hand it back over to you. All right, so that's actually it for Isaiah 9, 6. So we have one more scripture. We have one more scripture, and then we will take a few minutes for you all to, you know, uh, ask each other some questions, you know, and, you know, maybe about 10 minutes at a time or something like that. So last but not least, we will go to the Gospel of John. We will be in chapter 10. And we will be at verses 29 and 30. Sam, you will have to first go at this. And this is the last scripture that we will go over on today. John chapter 10, verses 29 and 30 says, My father who has given them to me, this again is Jesus talking. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one sam if you can exegete that and tell us what this is saying go ahead yeah it's important we begin at 27 jesus says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand i give them eternal life they will never perish no one can snatch them out of my hand my sheep my voice in my hand i give them eternal life my father has given them to me it's greater than all no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand i and the father are one now he knows the greek verb esmen and means we are it's not Singular, it's plural, hen. We'll get into that a little later because I want to see his response. But I want you to catch what Jesus did. And the Jews correctly realized what he was saying. Because at this, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And he said, many good works I've shown you from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? They go, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, a man, make yourself out to be God. Now, why did they think that? Because the language, my sheep, in my hand, my voice, I give them eternal life. Right? No one can pluck them out of my hand. That echoes Deuteronomy 32, 39, and it echoes Psalm 95, <clears throat> 6 to 8, where Yahweh says that he makes alive and none can deliver out of his hand. That's Deuteronomy 32, 39. And then it says that they are the sheep, Israel, Psalm 95, 6 to 8, they are the sheep in his hand and they are to hear his voice. So they realize he's claiming to be Yahweh in the flesh, which again, Mr. Perkins doesn't deny. And it's interesting because he said that I'm attacking strongman, but he admit I'm right because he says there is some truth to what you're saying. Some truth to that. When I say you believe that the father became flesh, but we don't say it that way. Of course you don't say it that way because if you say it that way, people say that and see that your position is nonsense. It butchers the scriptures, but I, I'm glad you admit I am not attacking strongman. There is some truth to that. Now, here's my question to Mr. Perkins. I want him to explain if the son is the father in the flesh. He can tap dance all he wants and say it's not the father. Yes, it is, because you just said there is some truth to that. That is the father in the flesh. In what way is Jesus saying no one can pluck them out of my hand and my father's hand? And what Jesus claims to do is only what God can do. If Jesus is the father, it's the same self-hand. It's not two distinct hands because it's the same person, the father in heaven, and then the father in human flesh. And then explain to me, please, the use of the plural verb, we are. How does that make sense in your view if God in the flesh equates to the Father in the flesh? 
which is what you believe, but you don't like to say it because that's what you said. There's some truth to that, but we don't say it that way. Of course you won't say it that way because people will see that your position is unbiblical and nonsensical, but go ahead. Amen. Mr. Perkins, you can now respond. Okay, number one, when I say there's some truth that I'm simply saying that, that yes, we, there is a sense in which Jesus is the Father, and there's a sense in which he isn't. We do not say his humanity is the Father. We say that, as the Bible says, as Jesus said, the Father that dwells in me, he does the work. But he's not just a man. He is also God in the flesh. Um, now, regarding your, your claim, oh, yeah, okay, so you say you don't say it that way. Because it'll still demonstrate that we're supposedly in false doctrine. And yet, you run around saying there's three minds in God. Uh, in fact, you even argue for bodily separation in God. I've seen you do it. And yet, <laughs> you're telling us that we've got the false doctrine? Uh, and, and you just did it again, in fact. You said the two hands. You refer to two hands. What you don't see, and what Trinitarians don't see, is that, and I'm not being ugly, it, this is conceptual tritheism. It's not confessional tritheism, but when you consistently use terms like separate minds, separate bodies, separate hands, etc., pray tell me how does that make sense? We agree with the plural, uh, the plural term. We that's not a problem. The context identifies who that was. You've said yourself over and over that to a first century Jew, when they heard the term father, or rather God, I'm sorry, that that denoted the father. Exactly. Thank you. And so in, 10, in verse 33 that you quoted, whenever he says that, uh, or rather scripture says they picked up stones to stone him, because you being a man are making yourself God, whom you have said over and over, uh, when a Jew says that in first century, that's denoting the father. Amen. So whenever they hear the term theos, or rather pater, here, they say that's father. Wait, I am my father one. Yeah, they say that that is father. I'm sorry, when they hear the term God. I'm sorry, I got it backwards. They see that as the father. Exactly. That is exactly our position. There is an ontological distinction between the father and the son. I don't know how many times I've got to say that. But we agree with all of that that you're quoting. What we don't agree with now and never will is that there's three separate bodies in God, three separate minds in God. And I, I hope you try to deny that because it's going to backfire on you. You can get embarrassed real quick because you have said over and over that, that there's separate separations. So I'll just wait to see what you do with that. By the way, how much time do I have left? Uh, you got to wrap up your thought, actually. <sighs> okay. Um. I wanted to discuss the masculine singular haste. Jesus uses the neuter hand, but I'll get into that in my next uh, speech. All right, Sam, feel free to respond. Yeah, again, it's a sad that he keeps strawmanning me. He keeps saying that I said to a first century Jew, the term God would refer to the Father in heaven. I said that in the context of Jesus not coming out and claiming to be God in an unqualified sense because he's not the Father. That actually, that argument is made to show he's not the Father. So why would you strawman? and attack what I said when in context what I was trying to say is to a first century Jew the term God first century Jew the term God unqualified sense means the Father in heaven so Jesus in order to avoid that confusion doesn't say I'm God he claims to be the Son of God in such a way that they realize he's not the Father but equal to the Father in essence that's why they didn't accuse him of being the Father but a man making himself out to be God because they could see in the plain language he just said I'm not the Father I'm distinct from the Father. And again, you agree and confirm my point, though you're trying desperately to avoid 
<clears throat> the implication. You again said, yes, Jesus is the Father in some sense. Exactly. And then you say they're ontologically different. How so, Mr. Perkins, in your view, if God became flesh, that's the Father's flesh. So, yes, there's an ontological distinction in that flesh is not divine, but it's the flesh of the Father. That's the Father became flesh. But you don't want to say it that way because you understand the problems it will create for you. And about the three minds, if you again take what I say in context, I'm using the term mind to denote they're distinct persons in intimate fellowship, which you do not accept, which means you are stuck with Romans 8, 26, 27, which you did not adequately address. How can God know the mind of the Spirit and the Spirit know what the will of God is? I want you to come out and tell us, is the Spirit the Father in a different role? Whatever term you want to use, you don't want to use the term mode, because that's still the Father. So why is Paul saying the Father knows the mind of the Spirit if that's the mind of the Father? Because remember, it's one mind to you. So is Paul saying God knows his own mind and knows his own will? Then why, Paul, are you saying God who knows the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit and the Spirit knows the will of God? Because that's either ignorance or deception because the language is plain as day. The Spirit is different from God with a distinct mind that God knows. And God has a will that the Spirit knows and perfectly submits to. But in your view, this is simply the Father knowing his own mind, knowing his own will. That's why your position is gobbledygook, and you can't answer. And do address not haste, which is used in 1 Timothy 2.5, because that's referring to the Father distinct from the Son, but hen and esmen in John 10.30, because you claim to know Greek. Go ahead. All right, Please. Mr. Perkins, go ahead and respond. Yeah, gladly. I'm glad that you brought up uh, uh, hen, actually. Let me just read you the NET second edition. The phrase hen esmen is a significant assertion with Trinitarian implications. Hen is neuter, not masculine. So the assertion is not that Jesus and the Father are one person, but one thing. Now, I would say right at the outset, God's not a thing, but regardless. He says here that if the masculine was used, then, folks, we would have one person. But his argument is that it's not used here, and so hence we don't have one person. I've got pillar commentary by Carson right here who says the same thing. Well, guess what? Goodbye to the false doctrine of Trinitarianism. Because when you go to Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 29, guess what word it uses, Mr. Mr. Shamoon and anyone else listening? Hero Israel, the Lord our God, is masculine, singular, haste. Which I want you to show us somewhere where that this is uh, refers to more than one person. And I hope you go to Galatians 3.28 and 1 Corinthians 8.6 and even 1 Timothy 2.5. We'll have fun with that. But you said that uh, I'm attacking a straw man. Mr. Shamoon, uh, as, as a supposed apologist, you should know to watch your words more carefully. Because whatever you say is going to be used. I only use your words, period. So if you don't like the words that I use, you probably need to change some of your some of your methodologies because I only quoted you regarding, and I don't know why we're discussing Romans 8. I thought we were discussing John 10, but I'll gladly go there. Whenever you say that the Spirit, I'd have to look at it again, but the Spirit intercedes, no, for who? For us. He is interceding for us. And so you are saying, and by the way, why doesn't he inter intercede outside of us? Because the, spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is God in spiritual activity. No, we're not saying he's an uh, impersonal force, as JWs do. You make that claim a lot, too. We don't believe that. So 
So this is, again, you have three separate minds in God according to your Trinitarianism. And, and you're right with John chapter 10, by the way. They picked up stones to stone him because he was claiming Father equals God. In forensics proper, there is no greater testimony than the ones that are on the site. Eyewitness testimony. Well, guess what they say, Mr. Shamoon? They say you, being God, are, or rather a man, are making yourself God. God equals Father to them. They equated that together. If he was just saying that they're in unity, they wouldn't have picked up stones to stone him. Every rabbi claims to be, well, not every, but most rabbis claim to be in unity with God. That wouldn't be a big deal. That's not what they objected to. They objected to Jesus' assertion that he is, is, is the Father himself, God in the flesh himself. You have man and God. And we, again, we believe that. So you can quote all those scriptures all you want, um, and you continue to say that we're in false doctrine, yet you worship a three-minded God that no one even knows exists. You're the one in false doctrine, and you need to repent before you leave this earth, and I hope you do. All right, my man Sam, you have an opportunity to get the last word on this, and then we will be done with the scriptures. I'm going to challenge him when we interact to answer the question. I challenge him to quote one rabbi who says, I give believers eternal life. <clears throat> they will never perish and no one can pluck them out of my hand. I will challenge you to quote a rabbi that says he is one with God in that sense of giving eternal life and that he preserves believers and no one can pluck them out of his hand. The reason why the Jews got upset wasn't simply that Jesus said he was one with the Father, but one in his ability to do what only the Father can do, even though he's not the Father. So you just distorted the text in my presence. You still were not able to address hen esmin. Why there hen is neuter and esmin is plural? Because you have no response. Because either Jesus is a distinct divine person who became flesh, one with the Father, which is why he can do what the Father does, and the Father does what only God can do. And the Jews realize, you're not claiming to be the Father, because you said, he is your Father, you're one with him, but you're claiming to be the Son that can do what only God does, though you're not the Father. So you had to distort the text, and you had to then distort what rabbis say, so I'm going to call you out on it. Make sure you got a quote from a rabbi who says, I'm one with Yahweh in his ability to give eternal life and preserve believers. You won't find it. It's not there. Then you challenge me to show you where haste, masculine, and what's uh, here's what's funny. You quoted a source that says that Hen Esmin has Trinitarian implications, that they're one thing. And you said God isn't a thing. This again shows either you don't know language or you're trying to be a little, I don't want to attack you, but anyway. Because the Bible does use neuter nouns and pronouns pronouns for God the Father and Jesus Christ. Where? John 4.22. He says to the Samaritans, you worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we know. What we know. That's a neuter pronoun referring to the Father. And 1 John 1 verses 1 to 3. There, John uses neuter pronouns to describe the word of life, the eternal life, the life with the Father, that was made manifest. So again, you are distorting what Trinitarians mean by thing. They're not saying impersonal. They do believe God is tri-personal. But by thing, they're saying that it means that they're one something, not one person. And you have to distort them like you're distorting what I'm arguing for. Now, if I have enough time, 
It's ironic you went to Mark 12, 28 to 37, because if you just continue to 35 to 37, Jesus defines that one Lord of Israel as God and Messiah together, not a singular person, but two distinct persons that are united in their essence. So why is he using masculine haste? Simply to denote in this context that the Lord God of Israel is one, but not one person, because he goes on to identify another Distinct from the Lord God, who happens to be the Lord of David, Rabbi and one with the Lord God, and that's the Messiah. And he even mentions a spirit there. And you still didn't under address Romans 8. If the spirit has a mind that God knows, is that God knowing his own mind? You are not able to address that because your position is not biblical. The Trinity is. Awesome. All right, gentlemen. Well, I want to, I'm going to imagine that everyone listening and watching is clapping right along with me. So. Are they listening? Yeah, uh, not right now, not not right now. <laughs> but when they will be, they'll be hearing me clap for the first time. So, so I'm clapping. Look, man, thank y'all so much for y'all time. So, um, I appreciate y'all going through those six scriptures and parking there prayerfully. You know, people will be able to listen to this and have this conversation assist them with their studies. Of course, none of us should be going with whoever we think sounds the best or has the most charisma or whatever. And this particular dialogue is the final authority. The word of God is the final authority. This is to assist people in their studies. Um, so before, uh, before we all, you know, part ways, you know, let's spend a little bit of time kind of directly uh, interchanging. If y'all, if y'all have about. I just want to ask uh, Mr. Perkins, uh, just curious, who have you debated Trinitarians? Cause I haven't watched your debates. Just curiously. Who have you debated? I can't hear oh, you. My fault. My fault. There you go. He can hear you now, Roger. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, tons of Matt Slick, uh, mm -hmm. James White, uh, man, who, uh, Edward Dalcourt informally. Um, we, we've never debated formally. Um, who else? Uh, Bruce Reeves, Glenn Burt, just numerous, uh, numerous men. Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> uh, actually, his wife years ago on the radio. Um, so so yeah that now let me just say guys and, and i don't have a lot of time Go i ahead. want to say thank you for even willing to consider to dialogue with me i consider that an honor in light of all the people you've debated and i really enjoy you i like your personality you're hot i'm suspecting you're a syrian no i'm just kidding <laughs> no i'm not serious <clears throat> no and, and same thing you know i uh I, I was thinking earlier today you know like edward dalcour i actually like it I mean, he has a very likable demeanor and so forth. So it's nothing personal. Uh, we just, to be honest, we just both think the other one's lost, period. I have to be honest, and so do you. Um, my wife is sick. I'm not trying to get out of this, though. I'm just saying I don't have a whole lot of time right here. Um, so we can, I guess, address a few things for just a few minutes at, at the very most. Um, I, won't, I won't address the John 4 thing. Um, I don't want to go back to that. Um, I don't really have a major question and the only thing i want to throw out your way is that you did appeal to the holy spirit as a person i know we haven't uh discussed that a lot but i thought you just said if i understood correctly referring to the holy spirit as a person i, I would i would advise you guys if you can get daniel wallace's uh bulletin for biblical research i've got his paper right here um it's unbelievable 29 pages of exegesis as you know he's he's the man one of them at least in in greek and his conclusion is that we cannot prove that the holy spirit is a person out of the word of god you want me to read you the, the exact so you don't think well, that i'm claim whatever you want sure that's fine okay, okay. well he says go ahead 
But you do so believe. Here's what's ironic. I don't know why you're quoting him because you do believe, even though he's not a distinct person, you do believe the Holy Spirit is a person, right? Well, I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is he's certainly not an impersonal force. So, but I would not say, I'm sorry. What is he though? Zander, what is he? He's a spirit. I, I allow the text speak for itself. He is God's Holy Spirit. God over and over refers to himself as his spirit. So I, I, we see this as the text says it. It's God's Holy Spirit. It's not a third person with a separate mind. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying no, that is true. Then is the Father a person? The Father is personal. Um, so I would say that the Father and, and the Spirit uh, are a spirit person. I would say that the Son is God in the flesh. So there's ontological distinctions there. And I know where you're going. So no, no, I'm just, I want you to see if you because what Daniel Wallace says person, he means that he can speak and be spoken to, has a will, has emotions. So let's use the term personal because that's how you describe father. Do you believe the spirit is personal? Yes. Okay, so then you disagree with Daniel Wallace. Good. I, I don't uh, No, no. See, you're doing it again. You're distorting no. what I just said. I, I just said, would you like me to quote it, Mr. Shamoon? So no, you stop attacking you what, the show. No, no, I didn't attack Strongman. Let me repeat what you said. Daniel Wallace said that you cannot prove conclusively from the New Testament that the Spirit is a person. We define person from Daniel Wallace's perspective because he's a Trinitarian like me. When we use the term person, we don't mean a flesh and blood embodied. No, I know. Okay. Someone with emotions, intellect, and will can speak and be spoken to. Do you believe the Spirit can speak? Yes, because he is God. Okay, but so he's can, not the third person of the Godhead. No, 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 I'm not arguing that. Let's put that aside. So he can speak. Can he be spoken to? The Holy Spirit. We can pray and he hears. He hears us. So I don't run around saying, well, okay, okay, okay. So here we go. This is what you do every time you talk over people and you don't let us talk. If you're going to do that, I'm out. So, 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 okay. Then you let me answer you or we'll be gone real quick. So the thing is the Holy Spirit, as in Colossians 2, 9, in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the divinity bodily. Um, and then I meant, to, I meant to quote Colossians 2, 10, and you are complete in him, not them, him. So to answer your question, uh, the, the spirit is, is God in spiritual activity. Everywhere you see the Holy Spirit mentioned in the Bible, there's an activity. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues. Um, Samson, the jawbone of a donkey, the spirit moved, etc. We go on and on. So we view him as, as God in spiritual activity. That's our view of who the Holy Spirit is. All right. So then when it says God knows the mind of the spirit, whose mind does God know? Romans 8, 27. Well, first place, he's interceding for us. You, you, you keep not quoting that part. That's strong. He, he, no, no, it's not. It's the Bible. So the Bible is irrelevant? This is your text, sir. Now you're attacking Strawman again. Now you're talking over me and attacking Strawman. So if you want, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Don't attack Strawman. I didn't ignore it. I know it says he intercedes for us according to God's will, which was part of my argument. So now deal with what I just said. It says there that the one who searches hearts knows the mind of the spirit as the spirit intercedes for us in accord to God's will. Whose mind does God, God know? That's in the text. Again, he is the text is he's interceding for believers you're not addressing that so this is not three separate minds again i'll ask you why doesn't he do it outside of outside of believers and regarding your thing about can i answer regarding your thing about uh not attacking straw man and and, and true doing unto others as you would have them do to you i challenge anybody right now this listening mr veda i hope you don't edit this out 
go to Mr. Shamoon's uh, uh, his uh, website. Go to his website, and you'll hear him calling people dogs. You'll hear him calling time. people sons of uh, Satan. So you need to take your own advice. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I, I will say uh, I want y'all to uh, – I have it timed out for about uh, 12 minutes for y'all to keep doing what y'all are doing. Yeah. But if we can, mm. let's keep yes. focus on the Bible or the specific questions exactly. that but relate okay. to this topic. Veda, I don't care. He yeah, I was just addressing what he said. I mean, he's, no, no, no. he's the one who said that about. I didn't, you, 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 like you do, it's your habit. You take things out of context. I didn't say <laughs> I have a problem with you attacking me personally if I deserve it. If you are a blasphemous swine, I'll call you that. But put that aside. I'm telling you, which you still did not answer. You still, I don't know if you, you realize you're not answering my question. Let me try this again because the, uh, the not for me, forgive me, for the audience. Whose mind does God know? It says he knows the mind of the spirit. Whose mind is it if the if the spirit is God in spiritual activity? Is Paul saying God knows his own mind? You didn't address that. I don't know if you realize you're not addressing that. For the sake of the audience, hey. forget you. And address it so they can understand what your position is. Well, A, you, you say that all the time. At Trinitarians say, well, you're not addressing me. You're not answering the question. We're giving you the answer, but you don't like it. If you're wanting me to say there's three minds in God, absolutely not that's absurd so again he's interceding for believers why is he not interceding mr shamoon outside of believers that's problematic for you and so you know you're you why you're saying that well you can let me finish you're saying that i'm not answering you you didn't answer the masculine singular of just one person you didn't ask answer all the nine thousand single person pronouns that i asked you i'm still asking you how do you have three divine minds and a single person pronoun? Yeah, really? We'll let the people judge if I've answered or not because you yeah. made another mistake. And I'm going to turn this against you because you quoted passage in the Old Testament where God has one mind, one mind. It did not enter my mind and it's singular, right? I want you to explain this for me because I want people to understand your position. I'm trying to help you out because honestly, if someone hears you, they don't know what you believe because you're all over the place. So, second, okay, but Second Chronicles 30 verse 20, I want you to... Recall what you said. You quoted verses where God says, it did not enter my mind. Mine is singular. Okay. I want you to address this for me. Second Chronicles 30, verse 12. The hand of God was also on Judah. Second Chronicles 30, verse 12, 12. To give them one heart. To do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the Lord. How can multiple beings with multiple hearts be said to have one heart using your hermeneutic? Because remember what you said. If God says nothing entered my mind, singular, it's one person. Are you saying all these beings are one person, one being? Hey, earlier I was listening to you. Somebody sent me a link of you, and you, uh, I think it was a debate you did last year, and they were grilling you on three minds. I can't remember the name of it. And when they kept getting in there, you, you told them, you said, well, we can't say of, of, of God what we can say of persons. His thoughts are higher than ours, et cetera, et cetera. But now, whenever you think it supports your Trinity doctrine, just got to have your three minds in God, now all of a sudden, oh, now we can't apply that to there. So if you are using human beings as a representation of your Trinity, which you do all the time, you are not a monotheist, and you need to repent of your heresy. Okay, but friend, I don't know if you understand what I'm doing, and maybe it's my fault. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Let me show you what you said. So you understand that you keep falsely accusing me, that's fine. The, the, the audience will decide who's addressing what. You made the claim that because the word mind is singular in reference to God. See, I'm addressing that. I didn't say God is a man. I didn't say that. I know God. 
transcends humanity, but your argument presupposes that God can only have one mind if he's one God. Where are you getting that from? Because if you have more than one mind. the Bible. No, no, you don't, because I just showed you. God uses the language of one heart for multiple peoples. Does that mean they're one person? That you didn't address. Oh, no, no, I did address it. I showed you the inconsistency of your own view. Maybe we'll try this again. Apparently, I speak fast or something. I don't know. But you tell people, tell people all the time, we cannot say of man what we say of God. But now, now you're trying to do it. You always quote Isaiah, his, his ways are higher now, etc. I can send you the link, sir. Yeah. So but now you're trying to do that. Where do I get that God's one mind? It's called what he said. It's called what comes from his own lips. Address it. Do you mean the same God who says multiple beings with multiple hearts have one heart? See, God said it. So they're one heart, one person. You still don't get the point. Let me no, I get the point. Let me address you. Let me finish the point. As a Trinitarian, and I've been saying this like a broken record, we expect that God will speak of himself in the singular. Mine, because he is one in one sense. But at the same time, we're not surprised to find in the revelation, you have the spirit that has a mind. That God knows you have the father that has a mind and thoughts that the spirit knows and because why The one God is more than one person and how does the Bible convey that by speaking of distinctions among them? When it's speaking of how they relate to one another, but in reference to their essence being one we expect That the Bible will use singular one God one mind one We expect that but for your position to be true why then do we find plural verbs, participles, and pronouns used of God in the Old Testament? And why do we find the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us in accord with the will of God? God knows the mind of the Spirit. How can God know the mind of the Spirit if the Spirit is God in spiritual activity? Is Paul saying God knows his own mind? You never address these things, and I've been addressing you. Yeah, no, you have not been addressing me. And yes, I did address your, your arguments. Again, you're saying, if I go by what you're saying, then we have God knowing the mind of God. You also teach bodily separation in Daniel chapter 7. I've heard you do it. So, and John too. So what I'm saying is, I'll say it again, that, that he is interceding for the believers. He's not, this is not one God investigating the mind of another God. It's absurd. And, and Paul... Well, let me say this. Paul in Galatians 4, 6 says that he sends the spirit of his son crying, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6. I've also heard your stuff on 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 17. And perhaps we can discuss that at some point. I would love to discuss that with you. So uh, to answer your question, if you're wanting me to say that the Bible teaches three separate minds, as you have said, in three separate bodies, it will never be because God says the opposite using masculine, singular, uh, par participles, etc., etc. So I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, let me let me address your strawmanning me again, but the, the God different <laughs> bodies. Well, let me let me address it, sir. Can you explain to me when Jesus came out of the water of baptism? Did not the Spirit descend in a bodily shape like a dove? Was that two bodies there? Are you? Uh, let me. I just, I'm not trying to set you up here, but I'm trying. Are you su suggesting? That there are three bodies in God? Is no, that no. what you're saying? Address the question. No. Three, Luke 3.22, if in case you didn't know that passage, it says the spirit, I, I descended, the spirit descended in bodily shape like a dove. Was the spirit there in bodily shape? Yes, but but if you're saying that... I mean, hold on. Okay. Okay. You're not going to cut over me, okay? You do this to everybody else. You're not going to do it for God's purpose. So number, number two, 
is that if you're saying, and it sounds like you're saying this, that there's bodily separation in God. You've got the human Messiah, who is God the Son, according to you. You've got God the Holy Spirit. And then you've got, you, sir, you have spatial separation in God. And if that's the case, you need to go join up with your Mormon friends, because that's what the Mormons believe. Now, Vader, you're noticing he accuses me of talking over him, but he talks over me and doesn't answer my question. But I'll let you get away with it because I don't want you to use excuses. Because I've asked you that. over and over. Okay, no, no, no. Let's try this a third time. Yes, I and have. Maybe we'll end after this because you're not answering anything. Is it true? <laughs> I mean, Luke, 3, Luke 3.22. Let's try. Let's see. I'm going to give you a final shot. Luke 3.22. Is it not true Jesus in a human body comes out and the Holy Spirit descends in bodily shape as a dove? So the Spirit appears in physical form as a dove. Is that not two bodies? Yes or no? Do you agree with the text? That is, I'm not going to say that's two bodies like you're saying. You're saying that's two bodies. If you're asking me if I think that the dove represents the Holy Spirit, then sure, of course. But that does, that does not demand three separate minds in God. And by the way, you appeal to the Jews all the time. So let's see if you'll go here. Yeah. Who, please show me who on the banks of Jordan said, wow, now we've got a trinity. We've been wrong all these years, but now we've got a trinity. You can't show it because it doesn't exist other than in your Trinitarian doctrine. All right. Can you show me where it says, wow, we got one person in the Godhead. So that got one God means one person. He's only one person. Show me them using that language. Uh, oh, oh, how many times do you want? We can go to Galatians 3.20. God is one person. No, yes. Say one I, yes, it does. Okay. Do, do you know what the masculine singular means? Do you know what the masculine singular Oh, I'll be glad to. Oh, it's uh, Theos hates Esten, I think it is. Okay, now, Theos hates Esten, and then finish the verse. Read Galatians 3, 19 and 20, finish it for me. I understand the mediator, etc., etc. So, no, I'm not going to chase your rabbit trails. I just need you to answer my question, sir. Let's come back to my point again, which you again tried to Oh, lose. yeah, so, of course. Of course we will. Got to get off of Galatians, don't we? Anyway, listen, since uh, we're not, you're not answering questions, are you sure this is productive we continue? Because I'm still waiting for you to tell me, was the Holy Spirit, because you said... That three separate minds. That wasn't my question. Luke three twenty two. I don't know how many times I'm going to repeat it. Luke three twenty two. How many times I got to answer it? <laughs> Holy Spirit descended in bodily shape as a dove. It doesn't say the dove symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit came down in bodily shape as a dove. The dove was the Holy Spirit appearing in bodily shape. How many bodies was that? As a dove, sir. You. What did you just say? You just how said that it doesn't say. Oh, whoa. Okay, hold on. You, you said it didn't say that the Holy Spirit represents. No, I that, didn't, yeah, does, no, that, no, you said that the dove does not. It didn't say the dove represents uh, represents the Holy Spirit. Right, right. But I'm trying to answer you, sir. I know about that. Uh, but, but you're arguing bodily separation in God, and that is tritheism. Always will be, no matter what you say. What's that bodily shape of the dove separate from the human body of Jesus? Just real quickly. Was it separate? Okay. I would be glad to ask you. I, hold on. Are you saying that there are separate bodies in God? No. Is that what you're arguing? No, because you're attacking straw man. But are you, you know, this is what you just said. This is what you just said. Praise the Lord. Later. All right. So thank you all so much. You know, um, I do pray that the listeners and the viewers, you know, are, are able to be blessed and have this dialogue assisting. You know, assist in uh, the studies, you know, as it relates to this topic of oneness theology, uh, Trinitarian teaching, you know, is God one God who operates in three distinct co-equal co-eternal persons or is God one God with three different manifestations? Uh, Roger Perkins, did I misrepresent you when I framed it that way? Was that fine? No, 
Yeah, I didn't really hear it all, but what we believe is three simultaneous manifestations of God. But not just three. We don't just limit it three. Okay, so Are we going to get closing statements or not? Um, yeah. Can can you can can you uh, unpack that a little bit? What you just say? You say you don't limit it at three. Why don't can you, you do this? Yeah. A little bit? Why don't you give him his close? Can finish up. So how many minutes do we have? I can't. Um, I can't the, 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 the closing the closing is going to be like three minutes. Okay, then let him just wrap it up in three minutes and explain. Okay. Um, yeah, that's because Mr. Shamoon wants to get the last word. So what I want to say is in apostolicacademics.com, that is my website, Mr. Shamoon has a habit of after he debates people, he goes and writes against them and attacks them. So I'm just telling the audience I'll be responding to whatever he puts out on apostolicacademics.com. That's my first thing. Is this the closing, Veda? Uh, is this the closing? Uh yeah, that, that is the closing, but if you wanted to unpack uh, that question, I wouldn't count that in, on, on your time if you wanted to unpack Oh, it. yeah, yeah. So what I'm saying is we don't limit uh, a God. We don't limit him to to merely, I don't want to use the term merely, but we don't just say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have scriptures that talk about the Son of Man. You have scriptures that talk about the seven spirits of God. We simply say that God can simultaneously do whatever needs to be done uh, be it Old Testament or, or New Testament, but and actually it's called, uh, theologians call this, uh, I read the other day, poly, let's see, uh, Christological polymorphism. Um, they're getting this from the ancient of the days and the interaction with the Son of Man. There's actually some texts that actually identify, early texts too, identify the ancient of days as the Son of Man. So what we're saying is Jesus can do it all, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. So that's my point. Awesome. You can go ahead with your closing statement now. You got three minutes. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Let me get to it. So closing statement. Okay. Well, we've heard tonight that um, we've heard over and over. He has no problem saying that there are three separate bodies in God, that there's three separate minds in God. He gets mad when I tell him that, no, there's not, and I'm not going to tell him there's three minds in God, never will. No scripture for that, none whatsoever. Um, Mr. Shamoon has said over and over, God the Father's individual, his own shape, his own mind. God the Son, his own shape, his own mind. God the Holy Spirit, his own shape, his own mind. And yet he still wants us to believe that Trinitarianism is monotheism. Um, I wish I had time to address his uh, uh, John 840. I don't. But the closing statement, I would submit to you that in really, there is no such thing as Trinitarianism. There, in fact, Trinitarians are actually, I've made this argument many times, quadratarians. They have the divine God the Father, divine God the Son, divine God the Holy Spirit, but then they have the problem of the human God the Son. So they have two sons. He's told us tonight that they, that they basically have two fathers, but they mean it in a different way with his interpretation of Isaiah 9 and 6. And so we would all agree that this is a heaven or hell issue. Um, in the Bible, the, the most important commandment of all is the hero of Israel, the Lord our God is one. Haste, and then you go on to read in Mark 12 that he uses single person pronouns to, to describe that one God. Um, in our opinion, Trinitarianism denigrates Jesus Christ from his position as the one true God to where he shares his divinity in separate bodies, separate minds, completely revised the rules of grammar, turns it on its head. Now a son, it really doesn't mean he had a birth point, but that he was eternal. Name doesn't really mean name in Acts 2.38, it means the authority. 
personal pronouns, singular, don't really mean one person. They mean three persons. So we would just hope and pray, and by God's grace, I've been used, and I, and I mean this, I give glory to God, been used to, to lead many people over the years to, into our Trinitarianism, into biblical monotheism, and biblical Christianity. We're here for you. We want to answer any questions that you have. And I will say I do appreciate the interaction uh, tonight. I came prepared. I know he's aggressive, and I'm a, I'm a little aggressive myself. So, But um, I, I do appreciate the interaction, and I've enjoyed my time with you, Mr. Veda Hedgeman. Take care. Hey, amen. I appreciate that, brother. Now, Sam, if you can give us a closing statement, and then I'll close this out. All right. Praise the triumph God. Praise the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, notice the ad hominem and slander at the end. He says that I go around and I write <clears throat> responses to my debate opponents after debate is finished. I want you to go to answeringblog.wordpress.com and expose that lie for yourself. In point of fact, it was a fellow oneness pastor, the late Stephen Ritchie, who actually did a five-part response after he fared so badly in our two debates. And I never responded because I let the debate speak for themselves. And glory to God, today, this debate will speak for itself because Mr. Perkins tried to pass himself as a scholar or someone knowledgeable about the languages, and the languages backfired against them. He kept harping on singular <clears throat> pronouns and verbs, masculine singular pronouns and verbs. But then when I turned it against him and I showed him that masculine singular pronouns, verbs, participles are used for nations that are not one person, he had no response. He discombobulated and saying, now I'm trying to liken God to creation, which means I'm being inconsistent. No, it means that you can't adjust my arguments. It was too much for you because your doctrine is unbiblical. It's not of God. It's a false doctrine erected by the enemy to mislead people from the true God. And then when I showed him that the one true God employs or that <clears throat> the Hebrew scriptures employ plural verbs, participles, pronouns for the one true God, didn't have any answer. He tried to brush them aside. And then again, he attacks straw man and falsely represents what I believe. He says that I say the father has his own shape. Folks, go listen to me, unlike him, who claims to have listened to me. I have taught that the one God is immaterial, <clears throat> incorporeal, spaceless by nature. What I have said is, because there are three distinct persons, each person can manifest in a form and a shape. But the Father does not have a shape by nature. The Spirit does not have a shape by nature. The Son only has physical shape because he became a human being. That's why he got discombobulated, gobbledygook again, when I said how many bodies appeared at Jesus' baptism. Don't forget that because he could not squirm his way out of it. Glory to the triune God. Jesus comes out in his human body and the Spirit comes down in bodily shape. Wow, Mr. Perkins, last time I checked, that's two bodies, and yet you have no answer because the scripture is your enemy, not your friend. And on top of that, I kept telling him, whose mind does God know? Because remember what he said, the spirit is God in spiritual activity. That means, according to him, the spirit is the father in his spiritual activity. But then that means Paul is either a deceiver or was deceived and a terrible communicator because the plain language is, God knows the mind of the Spirit, and the Spirit knows the will of God. They're not the same person. God the Father here is distinct from the Spirit, which is why he can know the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit is a person, like the Father is a person, and inseparable. Glory to the triune God. Oneness is the doctrine of the devil. The Trinity is biblical. Praise the triune God. All right. So 
again, I want to thank both of you gentlemen for taking the time, you know, to participate and dialogue and engage each other on Is He A Real One Radio. I am very grateful. I know both of you guys are busy. I know a bunch of people want both of you guys to share your presentations and your positions on several places. So I do not take it uh, for granted that you guys were willing to teach and speak and engage on this platform. So, again, as I've said multiple times on this episode, you know, I pray that this will assist any of you who are listening and or watching in your studies to know who the one true God is for yourself. And as we always close, I like to say two things now. All right. You may or may not be reformed, but we should all be informed. And as we close on is here real one radio, you already know what we say. y'all. Is he a real one? Yes, he is. And the he that we talking about is Jesus, y'all. A, A, amen.